Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of Unprofessional. My name is Dave Whiskus, and I'm joined by my co-host, my friend, Mr. Lex Friedman. Hi. Yet another episode. Now it sounds sort of like a chore. Well, had, we're back again, everybody. I had Sorry. Considered, I would considered saying, welcome to the final episode. But then <laughs> I, maybe people wouldn't get that that was a joke and I didn't want to scare anybody. And we're joined today by uh, uh, another friend, Mr. Mike Lee. Hello. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. Can you t- tell the people, tell the listeners, who uh, the, the, the scant few listeners who won't already know, but tell them, who is Mike Lee? Who are you? Um, well, if you Google it, you'll see that I'm a, a senator from Utah and a bull rider <laughs> and, and a Christian. You're an interesting dude. Glad um, we have you on the show. Yeah. Yeah. But before all of that, uh, I was some guy who wrote some software. Yeah. We'll just leave that hanging. Yeah. 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 This is the moment. If 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 you want to mention something that you've done recently, specifically, this would be the time to do it. You can drop it right now. You know, he, he, this is the problem that I have, right? Uh, yeah, I've written some software. And the problem is every piece of software that I've written has very specifically been chosen to be like a world-changing piece of software. Because when I go into the process of writing some software... I do it the way that Vincent van Gogh would write, you know, would would paint, right? I throw myself into it. I throw myself into it, and I have no expectation of actually surviving the project because I care about the shit that I do that much. And so the stuff that I do tends to be some crazy, world-changing shit. But the problem is I've done so much of it that when I just sort of read my resume to people, people have this tendency to get offended somehow. And so I find it's just easier to just not talk about it. I wrote some fucking software, okay? I wrote some software for the president. I wrote some software for Apple. I wrote the first piece of software that was ever downloaded a million times on your fucking iPhone. Yes, I've written some software. And if that offends you, then I'm sorry. I'm trying to do my best to, to, to do good things. You know, like I just, I just made a game for children. A game for children to teach them chemistry. Is that not noble? For God's sake, people. When will it be enough? Why can't you guys just say thank you to Mike already? I want everybody to pause this podcast for a moment and say out loud, thank you, Mike, and then you may resume. Starting, you didn't pause. Pause it and say thank you. There you go. Starting now. Okay. Thank you, Mike. I, I meant, Mike, uh, the the thing that you've just completed. <laughs> well, it was called... Not, uh, not everything. It was called a sandwich. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was very good. Before that, no, I, I we were, we made this game called Lemurs Chemistry Water. It's a game about lemurs, chemistry, and water, and you should you should buy it because it's awesome. There we go. Now this is true, and I it's very possible that I'm going to sound like an idiot and or an asshole, or you know, I'm fine with that. But I mean, I, I although you and I have never met in person, and this is our first time speaking, um, I have followed you online for a long time. I've I have read your uh, writings online. But I don't feel like I know the the origin story behind your affection for lemurs. Lemurs play a big role in your life, I feel like, and I don't know why. Is that is that a story worth retelling now? It's an interesting story. Uh, the short version would be that my that father I, was a lemur. <laughs> well, I, 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 of course, it all started to impress a girl, and uh, mm. You know, that's the short version, and, and, and the long version would probably offend some people. <laughs> that sounds like every story I have. <laughs> it's every story I have, too. Now, are you a person who, um, do you shy away from being offensive? Because now twice you've made reference to, you know, <laughs> potentially offending people. But I, I don't feel like you're a kind of guy who actually is worried about offending people. You know, I was in Australia, um, which I thought would be the last place in the world where I would have to worry about offending people. 
And uh, I discovered something very important. You know, I'm, I'm a really big guy, if you ever sort of meet me in person, and I, I'm not really cognizant of how big that I am because I'm that big all the time, but every once in a while I'll catch a glimpse, you know, like, ah, the board. Um, so I get it, you know, and so when I just sort of try to talk to people about regular, normal, reasonable things, they kind of treat me like uh, like Frankenstein's monster, Um <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I mean, imagine, you know, a, a woman in a dark alley and I'm trying to explain something to her and it's just, yeah, it, it doesn't work out. Um, so, you know, then I get into the habit of just sort of being very still and, 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 you know, just keeping my hands by my sides where you can see them and, you know, keeping, you know, my eyes where your eyes are so that you don't think that I'm up to something. And, and then I get, you know, you're being so intense right now. Why are you being so intense? Why are you just standing there staring at me with your arms by your sides? And it's like this, I don't know. Like, I can't win, you know? Like, I I mean, when I was in, in, in high school, you know, people would just come up to me and punch me in the face. Just punch me in the face. Seriously, I'm not even joking. There were witnesses to this. And I never knew why, you know? And somebody finally explained to me, you just kind of have a face that makes people want to punch you in the face. Now... What, how would you respond? I don't know that I've ever been punched in the face. I mean, I would do the only thing that I could do, which was to be standing there and getting punched in the face. Sending <laughs> people, that that must be a, a difficult thing for you to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, there's just, there's there's no, I, I, I wish, I, I wish I could see a world where I didn't go around pissing people off. Maybe you're maybe you're onto something. The the face that makes people want to punch you thing. Because I feel like there are moments where I'm never intending to be a, a jerk or to piss people off, but I feel like it just kind of happens. And maybe maybe some of that is my attitude. Maybe some of it is just like I'm naturally the sort of person you want to be pissed off at. I, I think that that's true because one way that I really have kind of I mean really the reason why you and I are friends right is because like when I look at you I I came to realize you know. People see you the way that they see Dave Whiskers. <laughs> My mind just exploded. That's, that's probably true. I mean, when I had that realization, it not only you know explained so much about my life, but it really made me able to understand you a lot better. <laughs> it's always good to have a mirror around, I guess. Now I'm wondering how people see me. I don't think people see me like Dave Whiskers. Nobody likes you, Lex. I know. That's true. Everybody, everybody likes you. <laughs> That's the that's the trouble with you, Lex. Is you're you're way too fucking likable. Well, the, the thing is, I I mean, I don't go out of my way to offend people, but I do have a thing where this is this is like a this is my personal admission of the show, where I feel like I um my head is constantly making jokes about the things going on around me. Even when I'm in a very serious mode, my head is constantly making jokes about what's going on. I only allow a a small percentage of those jokes to to leave from my mouth. Uh, mostly because most of them are stupid or bad jokes. Uh, occasionally they're in poor taste or they're offensive. And uh, f- then it'll sort of depend on my gauging of the audience around me. Um, but, you know, I'm at a, my computer all day. So if I, an offensive joke pops into my head and if I feel like sharing it, I you look at your buddy list and you try to figure out, okay, which person is, <laughs> is least likely to be offended by this comment that I feel like I have to share. And usually it's Dave. But, you know, if if I... It's the thing is I I'm, my goal in sharing such a joke with the person I select at random from my buddy list is never to offend them but rather to amuse them and then sometimes you misfire and they do, they are not in the mood for that joke or they are just not the right audience for that joke and then you have offended them but my intent wasn't to offend them uh, but it does I mean it, it happens I've had the offense just sort of sneak out 
you know, before he went to go work at Apple, Chuck Toporek was like the best technical editor in the world. And I got him to edit this core audio book that I really wanted to get made. And, uh, you know, I was writing a forward for it. And I don't know, I just sort of phoned it in. And uh, he, he called me out on it. And, you know, he just sent me this really scathing feedback. And I was really, I was really happy to get that feedback. You know, it was really, you know, I'm so rarely challenged. And so I, you know, I told him, Basically, what I meant to say was that I would, you know, go and, and and give it another try and come back and get some more hard feedback. But the the verb that I chose to use um, really offended him and uh, offended the whole. I mean, the whole thing just became very ugly. Um, and, and that word was fisting. <laughs> uh, and, and I don't know. I don't know if I meant to say it or not. I don't know what I possibly meant by it when I said that I would come back for another fisting. Uh, maybe I, I I meant that I would come back for another fixing. <laughs> Uh, but maybe not, I don't know. Uh, you know, and it's one of those things like your brain thinks of, of these little jokes and it, it spits them out there and it's for your conscious to figure out why you did it afterward. I can't say I'm offended by that in that context though. Like, I don't know. Well, some people enjoy fisting. The, the, the range, well, some people do the range for the things that people be offended by always staggers me. Yes. I've said some pretty fucked up shit and had people, you know, laugh it off. And I've had uh, years ago when I worked for eBay, my manager at the time, uh, one of us during a meeting had had said like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of muddle through that thing or whatever it was. But the word muddle, he got like really, really weird about. He's like, hey, you can't use that word around here. <laughs> Muddling? M- like, why? Like, the, j- we got to stop. That's really offensive. And we could never figure out what it was about that word that bothered him. We tried looking stuff up. Nothing. No idea what got him. There's no punchline of the story. You never figured it out. Never figured it out. My best, my best guess is that he just didn't know what that word meant. I think wow. that probably what, what a it muddler. was. I think that it, 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 you were saying it. You were saying the word, and he associated the word with you, and, and therefore he didn't like it. And I don't think I was even the one to say it. You know, and that's I, I get confused with how people can get so offended by specific words. Like I get there are, there are very offensive words. There are, there are words that people take great, great offense to hearing that because they carry so much weight. Like uh, Linux. Right. Like, like there's a, a racial epithet or if it's, you know, the worst thing you can call a woman or whatever it is, let's say, That's I don't get me. how that. Yes. I don't get how they can be so <laughs> offensive given that they're made up sounds, right? It's not like those, th- that sound does not actually mean that thing. It's what we've decided. Okay. Let, if we're talking about English, like, okay, so that combination of vowels and consonants this when is, voiced, this will is be something a bad I've thing. noticed. Uh, you know, I've traveled around the world and, and, and cultures have this thing where they attribute magic to the meanings of words, right? Like in Chinese culture, for example, you know, like uh, the word for peach apparently sounds like the word for longevity. And so therefore peaches are supposed to be, you know, lucky and good for you and make you live for a long time just because that's what the word means. And it's like, there's no mystical significance. God himself did not pass down the meanings of words. It's just whatever grunt we happened to make when we thought of that thing. Exactly. And especially when you think about how in many languages, it's no problem at all to say a bad word from another language. I'm thinking specifically if you know, I think it's less true now than it was even a decade ago. But if you'd say, you know, man, this is this is bloody frustrating. That's much more uh, coarse and crass and potentially unfit for public conversation in England than it is here. And here we just don't, nobody gives a shit about saying that in the U.S. But, you know, in, in Hebrew, they use a lot of Arab Arabic uh, swear words. Like one of my favorites is this word. 
there's Kusemek, which is uh, your mother's vagina, and there's Kusrabach, which is like your god's vagina. And um, <laughs> the, they know the, how to swear, don't they? Right, and that's the possessive sense, not you are, but you know the mother of you of you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but I mean, when when I say those words in English, nobody cares. So it's I just I don't get it. I don't understand why we can get so upset or offended because somebody made the fuck sound with their mouth. I, I don't understand. I think it's crazy and bizarre. Well, we all have to collectively agree that words have meaning, and I think maybe we we put too much into it. We think about the meaning of the word itself rather than the intent of delivery. I think it was Patton Oswald who pointed out that the way that we'll replace bad words with other words make for much more horrifying expressions. <laughs> Shut the front door. Right, yeah, you know, I'm going to spray my goof juice on your hoo-hahs. Like, that's, that's, that's perfectly rated, you know, PG or whatever, but utterly unacceptable. Leave my hoo-hahs alone, man. But no, you're, you're yeah, you and Patton are right. I don't I mean, So in college, I hosted a, a radio show every week. It was on at midnight. It was called, it was originally called uh, Audio Terrorism. That's before people really didn't like terrorism. <laughs> Back when it was cool. Eventually, after 2001, it was called uh, The Men's Room uh, to keep it classy. We had a feature on that show each week called The Offensive Song of the Week, where we would write a parody of some popular song and make it about some offensive topic. The very first one. Uh, was a parody of the song Jumper by Third Eye Blind. Only instead of, you know, I wish you would step back from that ledge, my friend. Uh, our song was an, a, an abortion-themed song that wasn't uh, pro-life and it wasn't pro-choice. It was rather pro-abortion in all cases of pregnancy. So it was, I wish you would not have given birth, my friend. Uh, and that offended a lot of people, which made sense because it was called the Offensive Song of the Week. And then we would do these songs week after week about very hot-button topics, mostly because we were college-age dicks. And... When we finally got in trouble after years of doing that show, uh, it wasn't for anything that we had scripted. Like, the, the, there was this episode of the show where we had, we had scripted a song called In Your Tribes. It was, a, it was about Native Americans. It was around Thanksgiving time. It was a parody of In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. It was terrible. It wasn't even funny. We just needed a song. We wrote it two seconds before air. Nobody cared about that. Uh, but we improvised a different song at someone's suggestion about uh, Asian strippers. And because I had been studying those, believe it or not, in my anthropology class at the time. So I had mentioned them earlier in the show. And somebody said, we should make up a song right now about Asian strippers, which we did. Did you have a bunch of Asian stripper listeners that were offended by this? So no, we had a regular listener, a guy who would call into the show sometimes, who was a fan of the show, who didn't get offended when we made fun of anybody else. But when we sang about Asian strippers, one of my uh, other co-hosts used an, an offensive term for Asian people, uh, pointing out that he thought it was easy to rhyme. So even before we started singing, he said, well, this will be an easy song because there's so many words that rhyme with insert Asian racial epithet here. Well, can you at least give us the first letter so we're not all wondering? It starts with a C-H. I'll give okay. you two letters. Okay. So right away, I apologized for it as soon as he said it because I thought that was probably not okay. However, because I'm a dick, when I apologized for it, I did so in an obnoxious way where I said, I want to apologize for what my buddy just said. He sometimes takes a slanted view on things. I was, <laughs> it was offensive and it was bad and I shouldn't have said it. And it, okay. so, but so this listener who, you know, who got very offended, like I said, he was a regular listener. He didn't care that we had made fun of Native Americans, didn't care about the pro-abortion status or any of the, I'm leaving out so many topics because I don't want to get, you know, murdered. But, um, you know, he didn't care about those. I have noticed that, uh, that you honkies are, are pretty liberal with the, uh, <laughs> with the anti-Asian epithets because, you know, because you think that we're not going to do anything. Right. Uh, you know, and I used to get, uh, I used to get really offended by that stuff. Um, but then, you know, at some point I realized that, yeah, you're right. Everybody has these little things that like makes them offended and it just sort of separates us from each other. And so I really sort of took this policy of, 
I'm not going to be offended by things. Like, things that offend me, things that are offensive... I mean, there are things that I find offensive, but what I'm not going to do is be like, I'm all offended by this, and I'm offended by this, and therefore I'm going to be offended by this. Like, I, I, I just don't do that shit anymore. And, and I actually espouse this, right? I think that people should really try not to be offended by things because it really just gets in the way of communication. And of course, people find that position very offensive. <laughs> and when I wrote a blog entry about it like a year ago, like people really jumped down my ass about this. Like, they're like, you know, you think that people should blah, blah. And it's like, I'm sorry. I just, I just don't think that being offended is, it's not constructive, right? It's not that I'm invalidating the emotion. It's just not a constructive reaction. Remind me real quick, Mike, what's your blog called? Well, that particular blog was called Motherfucker, but it's not the only blog to have. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, it's, you're exactly right. Like you can choose to say, you know what? I think what you just said is, I'm not speaking to Mike right now, but I'm saying one can respond to something that that does, you know, bother them or ruffle the feathers and say, you know what? I don't like that you said that, or I don't appreciate your having whatever. And then not make it a big thing. No, not sever a relationship or end a conversation. You can voice your disagreement or disapproval and then move on. It doesn't have to be this huge situation deal breaker where now you need apologies or, uh, you know, severances and separations and everything else. And not only is it not constructive, it, it really is, at least for me, it's, it's the opposite of productive. If you, if you act outraged to me, I'm just going to laugh at you and I'm going to, I'm going to like not understand you. And, uh, maybe I'll be forced to apologize, but in the back of my head, I'm going to be like, what a fucking tool. Like, why, why would you be so upset? If you just look at me and go, dude, really? That's when it hits home for me. When I like, I'll spend the next week thinking like, fuck, maybe I'm just a total asshole and I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I should think about the way I approach whatever. If you really want to get to me, just kind of give me that disapproving look. This is why everybody hates you, Dave. Right there. That is the exact reason. I'm just having fun, having fun with the silence over here. No, because it occurs to me that, that, you know, I can mute the Skype so that I'm not, you know, sneezing over you, but then I can say whatever I want and, and it's not, you know, you don't hear it, right? So that's true. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm going to do anything with that. I'm just. <laughs> the show comes alive in editing. There's nothing worse than three people trying to think of something to say and just talking for the sake of talking. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much why I stopped listening to your show. <laughs> <I'm> so... <laughs> uh, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I had something stuck in my throat. <laughs> Mm. Uh, now, do, have you encountered those folks who say you know oh d- don't worry nothing offends me and uh, am i the only person in life who views that as a challenge and not as like a pr- i mean i really do i appreciate I, the quality i appreciate that they're saying it but i i have to believe that they're wrong and i want to find i need to find the, how i can do it i mean those are just people in the pretentious stage of life right so you know i don't really view it as a challenge any more than i view any other pretentious statement of absolutism as a challenge that got deep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I naively assumed that you could take the shit that I was laying down. I'll try to back it up a notch. Now, this sort of goes hand in hand. Well, this is close to offensiveness. But what's weird to me is, and I think it varies culture to culture, um, but are, are the things that are taboo to discuss. Like, I think it's funny, in the U.S. especially, It's it was, since we're still very puritanical it's awkward to talk about sex but there's more than just sex right there's people you don't talk about how much money people make and money is a very a very off limits topic of conversation and you don't um you know it, it's i think more so now than ever it, especially with you know workplaces they don't want everybody's salary is a secret uh and it's extremely rare that companies make that stuff public and in the u.s it's oftentimes 
encouraged not to talk about politics at work and things because you don't you don't want to risk offending anybody and it's i just think it's bizarre how much effort is put forth towards making sure you don't say anything that might be offensive to somebody so you don't even have the chance to offend them it's like let's just not say anything and that'll be easier the whole thing is part of the whole you know keeping the power structure in power right you're not allowed to talk about stuff that's offensive and it's made offensive by the people who are in power and the people who work for them because they don't want you to talk about this stuff for example you're not allowed to talk about how much money you make because if you start comparing salaries, then you're going to realize that some of you are getting shafted and then you're going to basically, you know, use the knowledge that you have against management in order to demand equal and equitable pay. They would much rather deal in secret with all of you and turn you against each other so that you won't turn against them. Why is it that it's still so weird to talk about money with friends? Or at least at a certain point it becomes weird. I remember like when I was... Uh... In high school and out of high school, when I worked crappy like minimum wage jobs, if I got a raise, that was even if it was a nickel an hour, I'd still go to my friends and we'd all be excited and celebrate that news together. Now you, you reach a certain point in uh, in adulthood and you tell your friends that you got more money, you're just an asshole for talking about it. I think it kind of depends on the conversation. In some cases, it's just tacky because at a certain point, it just doesn't matter anymore. And so the fact that you're getting more money or less money is just sort of irrelevant. But you know, other times it's probably just a holdover. I don't know if it's irrelevant, though. I don't know if I 100% agree because be offended because I'm thinking, you know, um, to the to the listener, it may not be as significant. But I think no matter what, if you have a salary or an income and it goes up or down, it's always significant to you, right? Because it affects how you can live your life. So if you have people who you it's it's funny that when you, you know, if you get a raise, you can tell people, hey, I got a good raise or you can say I got a raise. And they're like, well, was it a good one or not? So you're like, oh, it was pretty good. Or maybe sometimes you'll get a percentage, but nobody ever goes into the numbers. And it's I don't know. I, I don't feel like it's I don't feel like people don't get into the numbers because it's I think the fact that it is tacky, let's say, is a societal contract. I don't think it's genuinely tacky. I think we've just decided that it's tacky. Right. This is another one of these difference between, you know, the kind of people that you're talking about and, and like me, like I don't make a salary, right? I haven't made a salary right. in quite some time. I wouldn't have a number to compare it to money comes in, money goes out. You know, there's no, I don't get a raise. Right. I mean, that's, that, right. that's not a thing that, that, that makes sense to me or, or, or any number of the people who I hang out with. Say you land a new project, you know, even if it's if it's a killer project, you're like, hey, I'm making eight point two billion dollars for this new app I'm going to create. You know, that's exciting to you, maybe, but it's it's not a number that you're going to go ahead and share. But we do that. We do that all the time, right? Oh, you like, do. Companies are constantly saying, you know, we made we made this amount of money. I mean, it's become the thing to do to publish your sales figures. Just like how you, we talk about how long our, our apps are taking in review. Like we're sharing information because otherwise, especially on the Apple platforms, we're just left in the dark. And the worst thing about doing this stuff is not knowing what the hell is going on like what is normal what is abnormal so why doesn't that attitude uh, come out in talking about money like with friends like wouldn't it be useful to know what your friends in the industry who are doing the same things that you're doing what what they make so that you have an idea yeah. of what to expect when you we, go in we, we 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 do i mean yeah i think we have different groups of friends right like when i when 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 i was coming out with the launch strategy for for the game right like i sat down and i ran the numbers right the numbers that i just gathered freely from the internet on how much money apple was making and how much money you know people were making and and you know basically figured out you know what do the numbers look like on the app store and you know what i figured out specifically is that there's the people who make a million dollars and then there's the people who make a hundred dollars and there's no in between which is uh, which is really interesting like you know the app the app store you know revenue thing is a it's a power curve 
And I guess maybe that's why they don't want that information to get out because most people will be discouraged because most people just don't create things that even have a chance of, of impressing anybody. You know, most people are just doing good work and they feel good about doing good work and they're not going to make any money. And, and the numbers show that they're not going to make any money. And that's why that graph isn't really public. But at the same time, the information is public because we, the people who do this stuff for a living, feel that that kind of information is important. Well, you, you say there's, there's nothing in between, but I've got this app idea. <laughs> it's going to make a ton of money. How much money is it going to make? I want to know exactly. All of the money. That's pretty good. There's weird uh, signal flares, I guess, that go up. You, you'll you'll present things in a certain way. Like somebody comes into your home and they can get a sense of how well you're doing. Somebody sees your car, they can get a sense. But we'll ne- again, maybe this is uh, the people I hang out with, the people that Lex and I hang out with. But you just don't go around and say, oh, I make this much a year. Nobody, nobody I know would do that, right? And it's you know, it's fun. I have I can think of literally two or three friends who actually do talk about it and I say this literally is what my two or three. Is. Yeah, I I say two or three because there was a guy who I used to know and now I don't know as well uh, in terms of how much he makes. I still know the guy, but um, thanks for all that backstory. These people who. Uh, you know, I, but I, I had, you know, it's, it's rare and it's the exception when people are talking about it. I don't know. It's weird. And I, you know, anytime I had a conversation with you, I have this buddy also named Dave, but not you. And, mm. you know, he's a, uh, Dave is a lawyer and he works way too hard and he works constantly. And he was telling me about his raise and I was, uh, and he was saying, you know, so I went from this number to this number and he and I then talked for a while about how it was unusual that he and I were now discussing our salaries with each other because nobody ever does. And the whole thing's weird. It is weird. You know what else is weird is when people tell you how often they masturbate or exactly when that has occurred. Yeah, I would say that's a weird one. You know, I get that call from Lex like once a week or so, and I never know what to do with it. It's weird that I call you once a week to tell you how often as opposed to just calling you right when I do it. That would seem to make more sense. But Well, would you call me before or after? During. <laughs> and now, before I was talking about jokes, and for me, one of the ways I deal with anything that's upsetting me um, not be anything that I'm offended by, but you know, if like, you know, if there's hard hitting news or a, a death or something, that's when my brain just goes into overdrive trying to find jokes. Oh, I do uh, the same thing. September 11th was, was my uh, funniest time ever. Not, yeah. I mean, I, I hate to, to say that. I mean, I <laughs> oh, guess I was it's kidding when I said that. <laughs> okay. I remember except nine uh, 11 that morning I was sitting there with a friend watching the news. We were watching CNN or, or it was Dan rather was on so CBS, I guess. Uh, we're sitting there watching and maybe it was our personalities or, or whatever. But we kept cracking jokes. And it's not that I didn't understand the gravity of the. I mean, I guess to a certain degree I didn't because it was so big and we're still processing. But that's just how I deal with things. It doesn't doesn't mean I didn't care that I didn't feel for what was going on. I just didn't know how to mentally process it beyond making jokes or making observations that I shouldn't. How do you guys feel about it when comedians get in trouble for that sort of thing? They walk an interesting line. Well, who was it? Uh, uh, Daniel Tosh, that douchebag, was making jokes, I think, about women or something in his stand-up routine, and people got really offended. Right. He and had an audience a... member get offended, and then he made a joke about, what if everybody just gang-raped you right now? Right, right. And and you have to wonder, what's the line? What What's the line between something being funny as a result of comedic license or something just being offensive as as a, a an idea? I defer to Mike. Um... Uh, I'm sorry. I, I fell asleep during the whole 9-11 thing. <laughs> that that was the line. That was too much? No, no, no. That was just the line, right? I mean, that's just the line. You feel like it's offensive, but it, you don't really know why. 
<laughs> you can't really articulate it. I mean, you know, I'm just jet lagged. It doesn't mean anything. But, uh, you know, it felt offensive. That's the line, right? I mean, people like to feel slightly offended, but then when they think about it, there's really nothing. But then at the point where you feel offended and then you're like, well, I mean, you know, he's he's about to incite this this gang of people to gang rape this person. I mean, that's, you know, whether that's true or not, right? But that's that seems to be the line, you know, the point at which you can actually offend somebody on an intellectual level in addition to just sort of on a visceral level. Right. You know, I like, I don't mind... Um... I mean, I, generally, jokes from comedians when they're on stage and they're performing from their act don't offend me. But when you have, like, Michael Richards going crazy or when you have Daniel Tosh, uh, who's not even funny ever, um, <laughs> yelling at the audience member, what if you got gang or what if she got gang raped right now? Like, that to me is not funny. That's that's anger. And it's not the same. Th- it's not it's not being silly. It's being something else. It's being dickish. But if when a comedian makes a a joke that is in poor taste, like think about like when Gilbert Gottfried got fired as the voice of the Aflac duck because he made jokes in the wake of the uh, tsunami a couple years back now Uh, like i mean it's his day job is comedian right so it's his job to make jokes about things so there's there's no tasteful joke about a tsunami that ends up killing you know many 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 people but i don't begrudge him his ability to do his job of to make jokes about that and he didn't he didn't go out and say hey aflac customers listen to my jokes he didn't even most people i think didn't know that gilbert godfrey was the voice of the aflac duck you had to really do homework to know that but then after he made those jokes um aflac went out of the way to say hey gilbert godfrey was the voice of our duck and now because he made these jokes in a separate venue that had nothing to do with us we're going to fire him as the voice of the duck i I don't imagine anybody at aflac was actually offended by that i think they were so worried about other people being offended that they felt like they needed to take action and show that they were being proactive yeah defensive offensiveness is especially weird you kind of have to though i mean you know like i'm making this kids game for example and you know in preparing for example the illustrations I'd be very keen to the things that people are likely to be offended by, you know, and society here in the Netherlands is a bit more, I don't know, not really lax, but even just sort of, I mean, I don't even want to say naive, but, you know, we just don't think about things that way here. And so, for example, I, as an American, would look at a a drawing that the illustrator had done, and I would say, why is he staring at her crotch? He can't be staring at her crotch like that. And he'd be like... I didn't even think about that. Like they don't have crotches. They're just cartoon characters. And I'm like, no, they're not, you know, or, or, you, you know, like, uh, you, we had, uh, in, in our logo, the, the mascot had, uh, a match between his teeth, you know, because he's sort of dangerous. Right. And I'm like, no, it looks too much like a cigarette. Right. And people are going to look at it and they're going to say, well, he's smoking a cigarette and that's offensive. And, and I'll be like, well, there's not a cigarette. Let's see. Well, it looks like a cigarette and that's offensive, you know? So, now I think he's blowing bubbles out of a pipe. I think I actually need a bubble blowing pipe. Well, I mean, I think that that's why so much comedy, especially, you know, children's comedy, it's just silly, right? It's intentionally silly. It's like Monty Python, you know, very tense time, I think, in, uh, you know, in, in, in British society, not a not a free press, free speech society. And so you're just forced to go completely ridiculous with it so that nobody could argue that you're being serious. I mean, this is the country where people say, you know, how could the country that produced Monty Python prosecute a guy for making a joke about blowing up the airport? And and the answer is because 
because that country would prosecute somebody for making a joke about blowing up the airport, comedy has to look like Monty Python, where it's so patently absurd that you could never accuse them of, of being serious or offensive. And even then, I mean, look how many complaints they get. I didn't realize anybody could think of Monty Python as being offensive, other than I just don't think it's very funny. Well, that's offensive. <laughs> Seriously. And, and Daniel Tosh is hilarious. You guys have no idea. Oh. Do you really think that? I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to let you wonder. I, the truth is, I'm not especially familiar with his stand-up. I found his show, I don't know if it's still on, I found it not funny because it was mostly recycling clips from the internet that I already was familiar with. Or even if you're not familiar, it's just a guy watching, you're you're watching a guy watch the internet, and that's not fun. That's a bad roommate. <laughs> but CNN is like the same thing now, so I feel like... You know, what's the difference? At least one is... I also don't think CNN is very funny. Intentionally funny. funny. <laughs> Have you ever seen the movie The Aristocrats? The the one that Sarah Silverman got sued over? Yes. She got sued? Oh, yeah. Oh, I gotta look that up. Yeah, yeah. Her her her, her rendition was a little a little too real for television. You know, the, the best thing about that is Wreck-It Ralph. As a result of Wreck-It Ralph, the, the woman from The Aristocrats who made one of the dirtier Aristocrats joke is a Disney princess. And I think that's awesome. I mean, the Disney princesses are all supposed to be rather dirty anyway. That's the that's the stories that you always tell. Or here, I guess you don't tell the stories yourself, Dave. I'm, I'm not trying to I'm, call you out on this. But... <laughs> what are you accusing me of exactly? No, I mean, every everything I've ever heard about the Disney princesses suggests that, um, you know, they're, I don't know, filthy. The, the voice actresses or the characters themselves? Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like you could Google either one of those things and you would probably be horrified by half the things you would see. <laughs> well, that's true of anybody. There's but, Lex Friedman porn out there. Oh, that's not true. Okay, not true. But I'm, no, I definitely, <laughs> I, I really enjoy that because people are nuanced. So I like that Sarah Silverman is a filthy comedian um, and also is the hero of this children's movie that my six-year-old really liked. Um, and I like, you know, they might be giants, have a bunch of kids albums that my kids really like. And then you go see them in concert and they are kind of, well, depending on the night, extremely <laughs> filthy people. Oh man. And... They're so much better at 21 and over shows where they like really let loose with the swearing. I had, right. I had no idea from their albums. I mean, their albums are all quite, quite clean. And then, you know, when they let loose in concert, it's, you know, it's bad. Uh, I mean, in terms of, in terms of, you know, not rated PG 13, probably hitting the R because of the number of, of fucks they're dropping. But yeah, then they're, they're, people are able to behave in situations where, you know, there's children present when people need to be disciplined, they can be disciplined. And then they come on this show when they don't want to be disciplined and it works out. Yeah. I'm sure no one's ever gotten in trouble for anything they've said on this show. That's right. Because nobody listens to this show. I knew where you were going. See, I think you oversold it there. I think you had it. You had the slam perfectly set up, and then you, you verbalized it too deeply, I think. That's just your defensiveness talking. Yeah, Lex. <laughs> yeah, Lex. I hate that guy. <laughs> I don't think that either Dave or I works to clean up our act for this show or to censor ourselves and the things that we discuss on it. So that's good. That means that we have a, a growing core of listeners who do not get offended by the things we say, at least until this episode. Or like getting offended by the things that you say. Right. There's Maybe that. even get aroused by it. Hmm. That I think hot. there's at least some percentage of the audience tuning in just so they can hear Dave Whiskus' voice. There's, I'm sure that's a big part of it. I mean, <laughs> at least three or four people <laughs> i'm impressed not necessarily by the number of people who listen to the show but the the people specifically who listen to the show well i'm gonna have to start saying that i listen to the show just to bring you guys down a notch <laughs> 
the average quality of our listeners is dropping, but still good. <laughs> I'll tell everyone it's my favorite show, and then people will really stop listening to it. As not listened to by Mike Lee. That'll be our new tagline. <laughs> Uh, did you ever have uh, somebody in school send you a note that says stop telling people that we're friends (laughs) never (laughs) once never never once has that happened no me neither that that doesn't happen to anybody that's not a thing (laughs) nor have i ever had somebody just come up to me and punch me in the face I still feel bad for young Mike Lee that that ever happened to you. That seems horrible. Well, I mean, it wasn't, you know, any better or worse than what was happening at home. So, well, Do you have I, a time that sticks out when you offended somebody? Uh, yeah. <laughs> do, <laughs> do I have any stories that stick out where I haven't offended somebody? <laughs> uh, you know, it's always so surprising to me, too, right? Because you're always the hero of every story that you've been in. I mean, everybody is. So, right. you know, it's always like, well, but God, I was trying to do the right, you know, like I once went for a job interview and, uh, you know, I always talk about how I, I had to learn to program because I, I felt like I was going to get killed in this job that I had at the airline. And, uh, you know, the other thing that I tried to do before learning to program was to go into management. Uh, but I pretty much spoiled that for myself when I went for this sort of big, uh, you know, group management interview. And it was a bunch of these like really shy people who like wouldn't talk, you know, and I was really trying to be. Uh, you know, somebody who facilitated everyone in the table and not just kind of dominate the conversation as I, you know, have a sort of natural tendency to do. And so I tried to loosen everybody up with a, with a joke and I told the, the cleanest joke that I knew, um, you know, which didn't involve any swear words, although it did sort of hinge on uh, the fact that the, the word pianist sounds like the word penis, I guess. Um, but yeah, no. So when I didn't uh, get the job, they specifically pointed to uh, to my telling of a of a tasteless and defensive joke, uh, you know, for the reason for that. Back when I was doing system administration stuff, I went in for a job interview once where uh, the guy was asking about various tools that would you, you would use for uh, system administration. And I had mistakenly said VI instead of VI, and the guy got really pissed off at me. And he starts ranting about how it's pronounced V-I, not Vi. The guy, and he, like, names the guy who wrote it. He's like, he specifically said that it should be. I'm like, ah, well, you know, it's like Linux, Linux. It doesn't really matter. I figured I didn't have the job at that point anyway. So I may as well fuck with him a little bit. <laughs> You're such a nerd. I got expelled for school for offending somebody. I, you know, I was, uh, I was in and out of private schools because I, you know, ran into a lot of trouble in public schools, you can imagine. But my parents were very religious, so I went to these religious private schools. And when I was in sixth grade, I was going to this you know, particular school. And, you know, I, I, I didn't even know what the word meant. I, I, was, I was thinking I was in sixth grade and we were being asked, uh, you know, if you were God and you saw, saw these people, you know, worshiping idols, I mean, you know, these posters of musicians hanging on the wall. I mean, what would you call these idols? And I thought they were saying, you know, what would you call these idols? I'm like, I call them jerk offs. And, uh, and I got, you know, detention, uh, for that. I got detention a lot. And, uh, and then my mom was like, oh, that's just ridiculous. And so she like tore up the detention slip and, 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 and I gave that, uh, you know, to the principal. And then I, I was expelled from school, uh, you know, because I offended them, you, you know, calling something Vi. I mean, fuck, that's that's Bush League. Dave, this episode of Unprofessional is brought to you by Smile Software. Now, normally when we talk about a sponsor, we generally try to find sponsors who we feel really comfortable vouching for, which is obviously the case this time, uh, and uh, products that we're familiar with and and can really speak uh, with experience about. Now, as it turns out, I am an active user, and I just love 
uh, the app of Text Expander. Uh, you, however, Dave, have never used Text Expander. Is that right? I've never once used it. I All understand right. that it expands text. Yeah. So for me, I, I type in ADDR, hit space, boom, my full formatted address is there. If I type in HRF, boom, I've got a full HTML link tags with my clipboard URL in the right place, and I can start the cursors in the right place, so I can start typing in the link text. It's beautiful. Do you have to but type boom? I don't have to type boom. I just have to think it. Oh, uh, wow. It does make, it, it's an option, but it does make a cool sound effect when it expands snippets unless you tell it not to and i find that snippet that snippet sound effect of expansion joy very satisfying but this is from smile software and they have a special url for you folks smilesoftware.com slash unpro uh if you use the coupon code unpro you get 20 percent off text expander along with pdf pen or disc label and that's through january 15th 2013 so uh, here's the thing. Text Expander, you might have heard of it. You've gotten a little bit of the gist from me now, but maybe you're less familiar with Text Expander 4. Uh, Text Expander 4 has this new feature that's called fill in. And basically, you can sort of have a, an entire form letter type content that you put into Text Expander with sort of like Mad Libs. And you tell it all the different <laughs> things you want to have as variables in that. And it'll put out the whole snippet of text and ask you, you know, prompt you to fill in all those other missing pieces that you want. And boom, the whole thing's there and all triggered by a, a tiny keyboard shortcut that you set. I, I could, I'm looking at my list right now of Text Expander shortcuts. I've got dozens. I don't know. It's, it saves me tons of typing. I couldn't do Macworld live blogs without it, but I also just really would be much slower with my day job without it. If being more productive is one of your New Year's resolutions, Dave, it is. Text Expander can help. Oh, I love it. And it's, I mean, it's great. I, and I will admit that, I, you know, I felt like I'm a fast typist already. I don't need this stuff, but I totally needed it. I just didn't know. But it's Text Expander 4, smilesoftware.com slash unpro. Like I said, 20% off through January 15th for unprofessional listeners with that coupon code unpro. And it, as it, I clicked on the link that we have, and it turns out even I get to use that, that code. Nice. I'm no joke. I'm buying this app right now. <laughs> Uh, this sounds awesome. I'm looking forward to using this. Yeah, you won't be disappointed. Plus, if you go to their website, they have a video from David Sparks uh, explaining how to use it, and his video is kind of funny, so it's worth watching. Speaking of things that you should do to make Unprofessional feel better about itself, don't forget to go to iTunes and write a favorable, loving review about us and rate us five stars. And yeah, people have to... been doing that. They've been going on iTunes and saying very nice things about us. Which is very nice of them. I appreciate that. We love our, our listeners. And you can follow us, twitter.com slash unprofesh. That's with an SH. Facebook.com slash unprofesh. MySpace.com. Okay, that last one's not true. But do all those things too, because that way we can be in touch. We, we should have a MySpace. I'll work on that. I'll put it on the list. Can you put, get us a Friendster account? In fact, when I want to go to our MySpace page, I just type my you, hit space, and text expander expands it to MySpace.com slash unprofessional. <laughs> That's not true, but it could be. It could be. You also yeah. have to watch out for uh, <laughs> you have to watch out for what you say when you think you're behind closed doors that, or things that you do when you think you're behind closed doors that later come out. I was at a Christmas party and a friend had left her phone unattended, and somebody had, had made the joke that we should you know tweet pooping from her phone while she was away. And my response was to say, oh, fuck that. Pooping is for amateurs. Here's what we're going to do. So I went into settings on her iPhone, and I set a, a new autocorrect where the next time she typed the word yeah, it autocorrected to I blew a homeless guy. <laughs> That's amazing. The nice thing is, the one positive about people who uh, do get offended by the things I say is that it, it's a very easy uh, identifier for the people who I don't need to maintain friendships with. You know, if, you know, if they want me to, I, I don't want to be a dick, but if I want to, 
if people want me to apologize for the thing saying the things that i say or thinking the thoughts that i think then they're probably just not the people who i need on the friend roster that's when i defriend them on facebook because i don't have any friends in the real world <laughs> i'm offended that you say defriend and not unfriend yeah you jerk I, so I had somebody tell me something that was uh that I, it, it was it was such a charming piece of prose that i decided that i would keep it with me and use it always they said if we were friends i would tell you to fuck yourself you should get that on a t-shirt <laughs> <laughs>